Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 688. You know, don't sit around and wait for it to happen to you. Don't, you know, put it off until tomorrow. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Joey Todd. Hey, Joey, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's get going. All right. Joey Todd is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Texas World Speedway, where he is also a driving instructor for their HPDE, the Teen Driving School, and Ride and Drive Experience programs. And in 2014, he launched World Racing League to fill the gap in the endurance racing market between the Crap Cant Series and Pro Endurance Racing, including WEC. He spent time helping to start and grow the Jump Car Series that caters to entry-level and low-budget racers. Joey takes racing back to what it should be, friendly and fun, a low-stress, most of the time, a bit challenging and affordable, yet professionally run and safe. So, Joey, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about what you're up to. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, that passion you have for automobiles? Oh, absolutely. I didn't get started out uh, career-wise in uh, in motorsports. I actually uh, spent a lot of time in the telecom industry. So, motorsports as a business for me is something a little bit more recent, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's something that I realized I probably should have done a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I've always, I've just always had a love for cars. I went to an SCCA race at one point, a uh, club race, and uh, you know, just kind of watched what was going on in the paddock and on the track. And that kind of spurred me to uh, get on the ball and actually get involved in organized motorsports. Uh, but that love for cars goes back to, you know, I think like most of us goes back to when we were kids. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what Cars Yeah is all about. People that have figured out a way to wrap their passion for cars into their businesses, their careers, or lives. For you, it came a little bit later, but I'm glad it did. You're chasing your passion now, and I would assume uh, that makes every day a little bit more exciting when you go into the office <laughs> or into the track. As we continue on this automotive journey you're going to share with us today, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has some meaning to you, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Joey, take the wheel. Sure. You know, kind of in line with getting started late or later in my life than, than some people do, I think something that, that means a lot to me uh, was a Mark Twain quote that goes something like, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do, the, uh, the things that you didn't do than the things that you actually did do. Yes. I think that was probably recycled in one of the Transformer movies, actually, in 50 <laughs> years. You know, are you, are you going to say that you got in the car? Yeah. And, and that, you know, that kind of speaks to don't sit around and wait for it to happen to you. Don't, you know, put it off until tomorrow. If, if there's something that you love, whether it's motorsports or racing or, you know, whatever it is, get after it, go do it. And that's kind of when we started World Racing League, that was what drove me to do it. I, you know, it's, there's always uncertainty in a, in a new venture like that. Mm-hmm. But when I sat back and looked at all of the uh, all of the things that went into it and, and where we thought we could take it and what we could do with it, you know, it was just, uh, you know, let's jump in with both feet. Let's just go ahead and do it. And, and instead of waiting until 2015 to launch it and taking a year to plan it out, uh, right. uh, we just jumped in in 2015 and, and ran with it. 
Yeah, nobody wants to get to the end of their days and say shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right. That's no fun at all. And I remember the first time I heard that quote, I was uh, out surfing with a friend. I grew up in Southern California, and I was a long-haired surf rat. Believe it or not, some of those people that look at me now go, what happened to your hair? And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, being out on a rather large day. I was a little nervous, and I started to paddle for this wave, and I kind of backed off. And I'm like, man, that's a big one. And my buddy was next to me, and I said, oh, I should have taken that. And I'll never forget this. He said, shoulda, woulda, coulda, words of a loser. <laughs> and he splashed water in my face and turned around and caught a wave. And I've always remembered that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jump in with both feet as quick as you can. Sure. Well, let's go back in time. You know, a lot of, I guess, here started as car guys as young kids. Is, would you share a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy? Um, yeah, probably when I was a kid watching Speed Racer on TV. <laughs> yeah, Speed um, Racer, love that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, it was it was uh, it was back in what a lot of people consider, you know, the heyday of motorsports, um, and everybody kind of has a different opinion on what that era was. But it was late '60s, I guess, late '60s, early '70s. But uh, you know, watching that, and we had Hot Wheels. I mean, I had two dozen, 15 dozen, whatever Hot Wheels cars. I was always begging my dad to buy uh, uh, Hot Wheels cars for me. Um, <laughs> oh, and at yeah. one point, you know, I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and we were stationed in Indiana, just north of uh, Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, not because we had moved there, but uh, I kind of fell in love with, with IndyCar racing back then in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. And yeah, I used to even sit down with Clay and Play-Doh and make Plato cars, open wheel race cars, different race cars, you know, oh, planes cool. and cars, basically. So I, you know, I kind of got really involved from the perspective of your spirit, you know, your soul. You're just, you know, what you're tied to yeah. uh, with cars early on, and it, and it just kind of took off from there. You know, all the way through high school, I, you know, it, the other guys were playing football. I, I played, you know, football and baseball up to a point, and then I, you know, was like, nah, I don't have time for that. I want to go play with cars. So, <laughs> now, you know, I, I, I messed around with cars, and I'm sure that a lot of people in high school look back and go, yeah, he was one of those, one of those motorhead guys that was always hanging around talking about his car and, yeah, you know, doing those sorts of things. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think for most of us, and, and I'm no different, it starts very early in life and, and carries through. Absolutely, absolutely. Are those some cars I hear in the background going around the track? Absolutely. We have, uh, let's see, there's a Ferrari sitting in the garage right now, just outside of my door. And, but most of these are, uh, the new, uh, Miata cup cars. Oh, okay. Cool. Today. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. I wish I was there. Yeah. Sounds like fun. <laughs> well, Joey, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. And the most important part of this, of course, is what did it teach you and how did you overcome that situation? So tell us about that experience and how it helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business. Okay. Probably the one that I typically point to in, in uh, with a question like that when a discussion kind of goes in that direction is uh, not even related to cars. I was, uh, I was in the Air Force myself for several years and uh, I had gone to the non-commissioned officers academy. And I was put in charge of, we had a, we had a, a flight, which is the same as, uh, I guess, a platoon. And then I was put in charge of one of the squads. And, uh, we had a flight commander, one of the other students there that, uh, was kind of falling down on his duties and he wasn't really taking charge of things. And we had an issue that arose and it was, it, this basically was a test. This was testing everybody's leadership abilities and, and how they would react. Mm-hmm. 
But I basically, long story short, I basically was demoted from being a, uh, a squad leader because I didn't step up and take control of the situation. I didn't correct our flight commander ah. and say, hey, that's not the way that's not the way that this is supposed to be done. We've got to do it this way. Right. And uh, up to that point in the military and, and even in kind of in my personal life, because I grew up in a military family, you're, you're kind of taught not to question orders. Right. And uh, so so you have to kind of yeah, I had to kind of reconcile the, you know, don't question orders with, you know, this this is not right. This isn't the right way to do things. You know, there's an issue here that I need to bring to your attention. And then, you know, from that, um, you know, even learning how to do that the right way. But it, it, it kind of developed for me a little bit more of a take charge attitude than I had had, mm. uh, you know, up to that point where, where I was a little bit less hesitant to step in and, and take control of a situation that I thought was, uh, that I thought was getting out of control, for instance. Sure. Absolutely. Well, great lesson in life and early in life. And thank you for your service being in the Air Force. I appreciate that. What was your big takeaway from that situation? Obviously it was a little, uh, heartbreaking for you. It was like, oh, geez. Oh, man. You know, but, uh, what, what was your big takeaway that you walked away from that so that you can improve? For me personally, it was, uh, you know, not to shy away from, from, uh, you know, making a decision or taking a stand on something that, you know, is wrong because I, you know, I think we all saw that what was going on, it wasn't anything drastic or anything, but we all knew that it wasn't. Uh, and I forget what the issue was now. It's been years, but, uh, you know, we knew it wasn't the right way to do things. And, and I didn't step up. And, and I think that the, the lesson was, you know, don't wait for someone else to say something. Don't, you know, sit quietly by and let something go wrong, you know, step up and, and, right. and correct the situation, even if it, you know, even if it's, something where you're not in your comfort zone to do, you, you may be called to do that. And it may be, you know, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Great lesson. Well, let's shift gears and go to what I call the aha moment in your career or your life. It's a time where those headlights kind of illuminate a new path for you. And tell us what that aha moment was and how you turned it into a success. Well, you know, the, a lot of the joke that we tell a lot around uh, friends and family about this business is, is uh, the aha moment is, man, I shouldn't have gotten in the automotive business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think we all say that at one time or not. I said that in telecom. I said that when I was in the military. Yeah. And yeah, I think we all kind of have that kind of self-deprecating humor sometimes about what we do. But I think in this business, I think the one thing that struck me early on was that, that this really – is I'm in the entertainment business with what I do right now. Um, you know, we provide, whether it's the racetrack here or World Racing League, we provide an opportunity for people to come out and have fun. Right. And, and that's really the, the gist of it. That's what we do. We're not professional level. Nobody's making millions of dollars doing this or anything. Nobody's getting paid a million dollars because I know I'm not. But, uh, you know, we're out here to provide a good time for people, a, a, an avenue for them to come out and exercise a hobby that they love and share a passion that they love. Sure. So it, I, I kind of got that early on when I first got into the business side of motorsports. And that kind of guided everything that I did, you know, from that point forward is, is looking at this from the standpoint of this is supposed to be about coming out to the track and having a good time. And that's kind of been a guiding principle with uh, with what we do here at uh, at the track and also what we do with World Racing. Ah, fantastic. I love it. Well, how about Prouder's career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out that you would share? I think when <laughs> probably when we pulled off the first race with World Racing League and, and it was successful, I think we had uh, uh, somewhere between 25 and 30 cars wow. um, at, at a track. 
uh, in Texas that's not it, it not Circuit of the Americas. It wasn't one of the big name tracks. It was one of the smaller, you know, less popular club tracks. I won't say less popular, but you know, it's not a nationally known track. But you know, pulling all that together, finding staff, putting everything together, getting the rules set, and then promoting and everything within about a, a four or five month time frame and having a successful race, mm-hmm. we were really happy with that. But uh, you know, on an ongoing basis, uh, uh, I think. One of the things that makes me really proud to, to be involved in this is just the people that we meet and, and the fact that, uh, you know, they really appreciate what this sport is about and what we do and, and what we try to do. And every time somebody comes up and says, man, we had a blast this weekend, right? you know, and, and that's not even a testament to how well we run events because sometimes they look like total disasters in the background. No one <laughs> yeah. sees it. But uh, you're the man behind the curtain orchestrating everything, right. making sure everyone doesn't know what could go wrong or is going wrong, right? Exactly. But but to know that to know that we kind of open that door for them and let them yeah. blow off steam from there, you know, I mean, a lot of folks, especially in in the in the business, what we're doing, a lot of our participants, a lot of our friends, our drivers, sure, you know, they're a lot of them are in high stress jobs, and this is an opportunity to come out and just and, and relieve some of that and have a good time with friends. Oh, absolutely. You know, Ross Bentley, who's been a guest here on the show, the Speed Secrets guru of course he's the one that recommended that i talk to you and he speaks really highly of your program and what you're doing which is a great accolade coming from someone who's been around the industry forever well let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time what was your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle wow the first special car is i would think that and i'm kind of hoping that everybody's in the same boat as me is probably my first car it was a 1971 javelin Javelin, cool. Yeah. Oh, AMC <laughs> AMC Javelin, yeah, and uh, it was a 401 cubic inch, 330 horsepower V8. Which Whoa! By, yeah, by today's standards, you know, you kind of go, oh, it's only 330, really? But, wow! Uh, Back then, that was a big car for a young man. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I'm surprised my dad even actually let <laughs> me drive it, but it was a hand me down for my brother. And, uh, uh, okay. He drove it for a while. He bought it, drove it for a while. Something happened to it. I think that, as I recall, the engine, he had a small engine fire when he was tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, to put it out, he ran and grabbed a, a box of Tide detergent. Oh, and threw it on the motor. And of course, it went down in the carburetor and, you know, all over. And, yeah. and it sat there for a while. And he ended up buying a, a another car. I believe it was a 75 Grand Am or something. <laughs> but uh, I inherited the car. And uh, I went through that car. I was only 14, coming up on 15 at the time that, that I kind of inherited the car. And, and Dad said, here, here's tools. This is what it needs. Go do it. And if you need parts, let me know. And that's kind of how I learned that's how I learned to really work on cars was he just kind of turned me loose with a, you know, with all his tools and said, if you need something, you know, let me know. So that's kind of, uh, not only was it my first car and the first car I drove and it was a really cool car and no one else had anything like it, but it was, it was the car that I really learned about cars and how to work on cars and and what this was and what it did. Very cool. uh, You know, on the car. So yeah, fun stuff. Well, how about the old seller's remorse story? Is there a car you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? Besides that one, because that was a big one, I wish wish I still had that car. But uh, uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of different cars. I would say recently, maybe more recently, was a, uh, a Volkswagen GTI that I really enjoyed. Oh, that's a fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and I I autocrossed in it and did some other stuff and uh, uh, didn't wreck it, which was amazing. And uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was at a time in my life when I needed something that I could put kids in the back of, but I could still go out and have fun and it didn't cost an arm and a leg. Right. And, 
Um, you know, there's car, there's a lot of cars out there that fit that bill, but you know, sometimes they get into the forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar range, and this thing was twenty five thousand dollars, some crazy cheap price. And you know, for the money, it was just, it was just a fun car. And and I kind of wish I, I I traded it on a truck, and I kind of wish I just kept it and bought the truck at this point. <laughs> there you go. So, well, we all have those stories. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share with our listeners. What has you really excited and fired up? Tell us more about what you do there, what your business is, how you help people have fun at the track. Okay. Well, starting with Texas World Speedway, a lot of folks out there may know by now that uh, they've been talking about shutting this track down now for the last two or three years. My gut tells me that this is probably the last year for the track. So we're, Ooh. you know, we're, yeah, this is kind of our swan song season out here and, and, uh, uh, it'll become houses and commercial property and, you know, things like that. It's, yeah. it's right on the city limits and the city's encroaching on it. And it's just, it's going to happen eventually. And there's no, there's no stopping progress. Mm-hmm. So, um, what we do here that, that I really enjoy is our, what we call our performance driving school, which is an HPDE. And it's something that I had never done before I actually came to the track. I'd heard about it, but I'd never actually done it, but it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a way for people and, you know, bring out their street car, and come out to the track and learn how to drive on the track and have fun. And, and it's a social activity as well. You you meet 100 to 150 other people in the paddock every weekend. And, and we have a little social on Saturday night and hang out and cook brats and whatever on the grill, whatever anybody brings. So that's kind of winding down at the same time World Racing League is starting to really catch on and ramp up. And uh, you know, obviously we're really excited about that. We start started out with an eight race season in 2014, and I think we have uh, 14 or 15 on the schedule for this year, including uh, some new tracks for us, Road America, Daytona, Road Atlanta. We'll be going back to mid-Ohio, uh, back to Circuit of the Americas. So, nice. Yeah, we're looking at this as, a, you know, hopefully a really uh, a breakthrough season for us where we just kind of, you know, kind of get up over that hump of the startup and start really kind of expanding um, a little bit more. That's going to be a lot of fun. The whole concept behind the endurance racing thing that started with lemons years and years ago is that you know everybody talks about seat time. You know, it's it's relatively cheap seat time compared to what you get in the club. So SCCA, NASA, PCA, because you're splitting the cost, you know, three, four, five ways, however many drivers you want to split it among. But one of the other things is that, that doesn't get talked about quite as much really is is the friendship and the camaraderie. You know, in kind of the social nature of it, you have anywhere from 30 to, in our case, we limit our the size of our races, so we'll have 30 to 80 teams on pit road, all next to each other, all the way down with their canopies, their you know their pop ups out there. Yeah. So everybody's out together all day, and uh, as opposed to the the club racing scene where everybody's kind of in the paddock in their own little space, and then they they get called to grid and they go out and race. So everybody's hanging out on pit road all day with each other, and 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 that really. I think adds an element to what we do that you don't get in, in every sport. And that's just that person to person, the people aspect of it. Sure. I've had several guests on the show that participate in these uh, different events and just love it. And the, the main thing is they get a lot of seat time. Like you've said, I used to do a lot of things with the clubs where you'd go and drive your street car. And then I race vintage cars for 12 years. Mm-hmm. That was all really fun and very expensive, of course, especially when you get into the vintage cars, when you break cars. But uh, it's really great what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. And you provide a somewhat affordable venue for people to go out and feel like they're racing. It's a pretty safe environment. And um, and mostly, like you said, it's a good camaraderie between people. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh in in our series the way we built the rules with the with the power to weight classing system is is budget doesn't really matter. 
you know, the, the lemons and chump car, when they started out, were kind of geared around this $500 car concept to, to supposedly, you know, keep it cheap. And, you know, it's a lot cheaper than pro racing. Ross Bentley and I were talking about this the other day on his podcast. Our system, it, it doesn't really matter if you have a sixty dollars or $70,000 car or a $3,500 car. You're going to be classed with cars that are, you know, the performance potential is similar to yours, regardless of what it costs. So, right. It's kind of helped level the playing field, and everybody's loving it because I've got guys in Boxsters. We had uh, we had a team that brought two brand new BMW 235iRs to Circuit of the Americas. So those are the factory built you know race cars wow. right from BMW. Right. Yeah. We've had a uh, NASA. We've had a couple of NASA prototypes: the NP01, the Elon car. Mm-hmm. But then you know we also get guys from Chump Car and Lemons that come out and bring their cars as is, run with us, have a good time as long as they've got experience. You know we don't let novices on the track. So if they have enough experience. We'll let them go out and, uh, and race with us, and they have a blast just like everybody else, and uh, uh, they come away, you know, hopefully. 99 times out of 100, they come come out of it, you know, raving about uh, what we're doing, and, and uh, you know, they, they start working on a – they either continue to run that car or they, they build a car just for our series. Sure. Very cool. Wonderful thing you're doing there. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Joey. If you were a car, what kind of car would Joey be and why? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, these days it almost feels like I would be some sort of a utility vehicle just because there's (laughs) so many things going on and so many hats I have to wear and so many things to carry. But, you know, from a personality standpoint, maybe something like a Jensen Interceptor. Oh, wow. Well, there's a unique one. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's kind of the thing is no one, no one knows what it really is. And a lot of people haven't even heard about it. And when you first look at it, you're not really sure if you like it or not. Yeah, they're a little goofy looking. They kind of are, and and I'm sure there's a few people that would describe me the exact same way. <laughs> I'm not going to so. say that. I didn't. I was not <laughs> implying that at all. But no, it's. I mean, it's it's a car that I always thought was kind of a cool car, and cars like that. And there's uh, the old Volvo P1800 is kind of in the same boat, you know. Not a lot of people knew about those cars, but sure. they're kind of they're different. Um, they're kind of a little off the beaten path and, and, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of like that, that, that's similar to where I feel my life is going at the moment. Very so. interesting. Well, you're the first Jensen interceptor to be on cars. Yeah. Which is kind of a fun thing. When I was in high school, a friend of mine's uh, father bought her sister a Jensen interceptor. I, the thing I remember was the car was broken more than it was running. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a real challenge. It was kind of a cool thing. And, I detailed it for her a couple of times and got to drive it. I thought it was kind of neat, but uh, they, she finally, after a year, she said, I'm done with this thing. And I think she bought a BMW or something like that. So, <laughs> sounds like, see, and that's a perfect analogy for me because that sounds like some girlfriends and buddies of <laughs> mine. I'm done with this one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we will move on from that part of your life. Well, Joey, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. 
Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to drive toward a cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Okay, Joey, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, and you're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Um, man, probably not to buy that 78 Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing at a guess I had on just a few days ago. Um, Julian White, he has a Trans Am that uh, was like the one that his father had. And uh, so I'm like, that's funny. Trans Am popped up a bunch here. And he's doing a thing at Baird-Jackson uh, coming up here where they've got – Burt Reynolds is bringing one of his original uh, cars for sale that registered in his name from the old Smokey and the Bandit uh, wow. film. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, don't buy, that's the, cool. don't buy the Trans yeah. Am. Yeah. I, the, the Trans Am was a really cool car in its day, and it still is. It, you know, it still has appeal, especially for those of us, you know, from the from the seventies and eighties. But uh, that particular Trans Am, I should have had. <laughs> Stay away. So, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? For me personally, it's been applying, I guess, what everybody would would consider your imagination, your dreams, taking that and jumping in with both feet and just applying it to what you want to do. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where this whole thing, uh, my gig with Texas World Speedway came about. Uh, it was kind of a lark. I was down in the area and the track had just lost a, some folks. And I said, Hey, I'm just going to, this will be cool to run a racetrack. I'm going to go do it. The same thing when uh, I was asked to get involved with the chump car, I, I was racing SCCA at the time and I didn't really know what to think about the lemons and the chump car things other than they looked like they would be a hoot. Uh, but they were still relatively new and, and, uh, you know, I kind of saw where that might go, and and I kind of jumped in there too. Yep. Um, and then and then of course we we saw the market uh, after I left Chump Car. Uh, we saw the market in in this big hole, the niche that we're in with World Racing League, and and uh, you know just was dreaming it up. You know how can how can you fit in to that niche of the market? What would make it work? And and sitting there and, and dreaming up ideas and thinking of things and throwing things out on the table and, and said, hey, this is, you know, this is what we want to do. Let's go. Exactly. Not like any talented, uh, unlike any talented racer, when you see an opening on the track, you go for it, dive in. So yeah, there you go. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, you know, you've talked, there's probably a couple here. You talked about uh, Ross's 
you know, Ross just started a podcast and, yeah, and yeah. I was one of his first guests. And, you know, Ross is a great resource for uh, education and, and he and I are, are both big fans of, of that uh, side of motorsports and, you know, teaching drivers how to be better drivers, safer drivers mm-hmm. uh, on the track and off. So his uh, his website, Speed Secrets, actually is, and I'm sure most people are familiar with it, but Speed Secrets is a great resource for people who either want to get into you know, track-based activities or who are in it and just want to get better at it or learn little tips and tricks. Right. Um, and his podcast, uh, Getting Started Like Yours, I, I, think it'll, I think it'll get popular and a lot of people listen to it. Yeah. We have another project that we're working on. There's actually two. I, didn't, I, didn't, I neglected to talk about Super Miata earlier, but uh, mm-hmm. Super Miata is a, a thing that we're adding to WRL. It, it's, it exists in California right now. The guys that own it there want to spread it across the country, and they've asked us at World Racing to help them do that. Nice. Um, so that that's one thing. But uh, as far as a resource goes, we're working on a new project called SweetSpot.Racing. And its initial mission, when, when we first launched this, and it'll be, a, it'll be more or less what it is, is an Airbnb of auto racing. So if you have a seat to rent, a car to rent. Mm-hmm. Sweet Spot will connect you with people who have cars or who, who want to rent a seat from you both ways. So whether you want to rent a seat or whether you want a seat in a car, whether it's for DE, endurance racing, sprint racing, whatever, um, it's a way for shops and car owners you know, to get their, their seats out there and for people who want to get into the sport or who want to get into a different part of the sport. Maybe they want to go from closed wheel to open wheel racing. They can find uh, a seat to rent and it's going to have some really nice features about qualifying drivers and, and cars and owners and stuff like that. So that's going to be a cool thing. We, we'll get it online this year. All right. Very cool. Now, if you could have a drink with anybody in the automotive industry field or hobby living or deceased, who would that be? This became an, an easier answer. I think recently because I, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, watched a documentary on Steve McQueen mm. And the filming of Grand Prix. Uh-huh. To me, he is a racer who kind of was moonlighting as an actor <laughs> yeah. um, after watching that. Before that, I saw him as an actor. And I knew that he was involved in motorsports. And I knew what he had done. But, you know, it was you have Paul Newman and you have, uh, you know, I guess uh, uh, Patrick Dempsey. I think Tom Cruise was was doing motorsports for a while. James Garner did some of that. James Garner. Yeah, absolutely. But after I watched the documentary, I realized this guy was a racer who was an actor, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. And uh, and he was driven. He was he was going to make that movie come hell or high water. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> when you get familiar with the backstory of that and see how it all came about, you know that that movie's been kind of polarizing with people. Some people love it, some people hate it. Yeah. Um, but you kind of when you learn about how it came about, you realize and understand why it it, it is what it is. But uh, he's a very interesting, very interesting guy, very driven. Um, and, and a guy who passed away way, way too soon. Absolutely. I was very fortunate to have his son, Chad McQueen, as a guest here on Cars, yeah, and he spoke a lot about that because he was a little boy, eight or nine years old, when his dad was shooting that, mm-hmm. and he was on the set for a lot of that and got to experience riding in some of the cars and being around all the drivers, both the actors and the professional drivers. So it's a real good listen. Anybody who wants to go back into the archives at the Cars yeah website and listen to Chad's talk. Very, very interesting story, but uh, be interesting and fun to sit down with Steve McQueen for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? If you've never read it, um, and this is another one that, that, that's recent. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge reader because I usually don't have time to just dedicate to reading, but I, I did pick this up here at the track. It was an autographed Cannonball by Brock Yates, autographed mm. by Brock, that, yeah. that he had autographed by somebody here. 
And of course, we've all seen, maybe we've all seen uh, the Cannonball Run, the Gumball Rally movies that were patterned after, you know, that actual event. But reading, you know, Brock, Brock's a great writer and a character and, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. a, just, a, just an interesting guy. But the, the way he relates that whole event and, and learning some of the backstory um, on how all that came about just really sparks the imagination. And, and, it, and it really makes you want to try to do something just incredibly stupid, just like that. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now searching, um, you know, what, what's going to be my what's going to be my cannonball right here. But it's 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 a great book. There's a lot of great stories. There's some great people in there. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because I had Brock Yates Jr., Brock Yates' son on my show a couple months ago, and he talked about his dad and what a character he was. And it was just right after we lost uh, Brock Yates. He you know passed away last year. So, yeah, a very interesting book, great book. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Joey has shared on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com slash Todd. And there's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books, where the cannonball and books recommended by the past 687 guests are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. Just go to the resources tab up there and you'll find that. All right, Joey, we're up to the checkered flag. And this okay. last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car or collector race car, vintage race cars in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like, what would that car be and why? That is a tough question. <laughs> I think, yeah, I've thought about that before. You know, there's so many great cars. I, here at the track, we get the vintage group that comes out and, and you see some really cool cars from, from times past. Yeah. And there's some, there's some great cars out there now, new cars, the technology and everything is, is just unbelievable. But, I think looking back, it wouldn't even be a street car. For me, it would probably be a 67 Gurney Eagle. Ooh. Just a beautiful car and the kind of car that when I fell in love with racing, that's the type of car. That's the style. That's the design. That's the, the mechanics of it. All of that was, was what I fell in love with initially. And yeah. uh, I've just always loved, especially the front end of that car, but it's such a great looking race car. You know, just antiquated in terms of technology by today's standards in, in Formula One and, and, you know, at that level of racing. But I would I would give an arm and a leg to have one and drive one. <laughs> yeah, pretty darn special car. I'll have to send you a picture. I took my uh, Christmas card picture of my kids. Every year was in some kind of a cool car. And, and uh, one year was in the very first Gurney Eagle F1 car ever built. So, wow. Uh, yeah, that, the original one had a Coventry Climax. But, of course, we all know about the Westlake V12s that came out after that that were so successful. So very nice choice. I'll get to work finding you one of those. There's not too many of those around. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's going to break the bank here a little bit, but that's okay, Joy. <laughs> I'd like to do that for you. Well, you've taken me on an awesome ride around the track. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that uh, 67 Gurney Eagle? You know, I think I would tell people just don't hold back. We, I run into students in the in our, our HPDE, and they're timid. And then they kind of have, we talked about an aha moment, and they, they get that aha moment. They track out at the right time. They negotiate a turn just right. And uh, they, from that point, yeah, after that, they kind of break out of their shell. Yeah. And they start pushing the car a little bit harder. We have guys who call us at World Racing League and say, hey, look, we've been running you know, lemons or chump car for the last six years. And, you know, we don't know if we can be competitive in your series. And, and, you know, I always tell them you can be competitive in any series you want to be competitive in. It's, it's a matter of 
really your mentality. Don't think that you can't be competitive. Don't think that you can't do it. Get out there and, and push the envelope and yeah. do it. Yeah, uh, because most of us, once we get past that barrier, most of us, you know, there, I, I, there's always, you know, I, I, I have my shortcomings and things that I'm not talented at. But, you know, everything that I've tried and dove into with both feet and, and ignored that little nagging doubt in the back of my head that I could do it. I did. I was able to do it. I think that's the one thing everybody needs to uh, think, you know, use kind of as a you know, keep that in the back of their mind when they're coming to the track and they're doing things in motorsports and in life in general is, is don't let those doubts or fears or anything hold you back. Just get out there and, and get out there and do it. There you go. Don't hold back. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? First resource to go to the uh, World Racing League website, and that is www.racewrl.com. Perfect. Uh, and that will open you up to our schedule, our rules, a little bit about us and what we're about. And then, of course, people can I'm, – I'm wide open to emails and phone calls. Our email uh, – general email box is on there. Our uh, toll-free number is up there, 844-RACE-WRL. Feel free to contact me. I'm usually the guy that answers the phone. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Usually. Well, usually. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Joey shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type in Joey Todd, T-O-D-D, in that search bar, and that page will pop up with links. If you have some interest in some seat time, having some fun, Check out what he's up to. This is a great way to go out there and have some affordable, safe fun on the track. Joey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Car Shell listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.